Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you, the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like us on Facebook. Thanks, everybody, listening on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find us there as well. Glad to be with you. Thanks to all of our podcast listeners that listen later. Thanks to everybody that emails and texts and leaves comments uh, along the way. Always love hearing from you. Today, as always, we will let you know what we're convinced of. We want to hear what you're convinced of as well. Leave those comments anywhere you're watching live. And in just a little bit, we will do tap drill with Henry. He's here with us today. Uh, also, big topics on the, on the show today. We'll talk about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Two nights. It was tremendous. I watched a lot of it. I've got a lot to, to share, some comments and observations. Uh, today's Unpack This Topic will be about Donnie Shell getting into the Hall of Fame after waiting for a really long time. And so today we will talk about waiting because guess what? We are still waiting for Johnson daughter number two. So we are days away. We are due August 17th. Uh, Jody uh, is is definitely eager, <laughs> so we are waiting and and, and uh, you know awaiting our our new daughter and very excited. And so we'll we'll discuss all of that uh, in regards to patience and waiting during our unpack this segment. Also, the Olympics are over, and and so what are the big takeaways from the Olympics this year? And then the NBA free agency shenanigans continues. The excitement continues here in Charlotte. We are. Oh, my goodness, we are bleeding teal and purple. Let's go. <laughs> we are fired up about all the moves the Hornets are making. I even watched a little Summer League yesterday. Woo, you know you're diehard when you're watching Summer League and you're watching the third uh, ball brother uh, ball out. So uh, so a lot to get to. Let's say hello to Luke Heaton. Luke is with us, as always. Luke, in Dallas area, we got to talk about your Cowboys as well. How are you doing today? Bryce, I'm doing great. I mean, I feel like the focus should be more on you, though. It is actually crunch time. It's oh, it crunch time fun. for you in the Johnson household. So I will, I will put it right back on you. We need to hear more how you're feeling because <laughs> it's. It, I mean, we're not even. We're more than just holding our fours up now. It's more than the fourth quarter. It's the last yeah. five minutes of the game. So how are we feeling? So of course, I'm not the first person to be in this experience, but uh, since you haven't had a child, you'll hopefully anticipate this one one day, but it is the weirdest feeling to know that you're due in any moment. And so life changes drastically in any moment. And, mm -hmm. and so the first time around with our first daughter, it was like, I had no clue. You know, you're just like, it was a different experience this time. Yeah. Like, I know somewhat what to expect, but I still don't know the when. And, and so it, it's just, it, for me, it's like, it, it'll trigger a kind of two week plan. Like Luke will start writing devotionals. We'll start releasing certain podcasts. We'll, we won't do the live show for two weeks. So 
it's like I don't know when that plan is going to be implemented, but but I'm like yeah. ready for it. And then hmm. I've got my go bag ready, oh, and yeah. I got to add a you know fi- final couple of items for the go bag for the hospital. <laughs> but even then, you don't really know how many days you're going to be in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and then it triggers the plan for my parents to come get Maddie, and so then hmm. Maddie's got to be ready in her go bag. So you know we're planning meals this week. What do we eat this week? We don't know. Are we going to get stuff for the fridge? But then we're going to be gone for a couple of days. So it is. It is unreal. And I. I. Yeah. You just have to be surrendered because you. You. Re, you re, are reminded that God is in control. We cannot determine when a baby is delivered. Uh, I understand with C sections that's a little bit different, but. Uh, but as far as where we stand today, that's we, we got no control over it. So anyway, it's it's wild. It really is. Well, how? So how did the. So it's almost just like this domin- this domino effect waiting to happen. You're waiting yeah. for the first domino to fall. Well, how did that go with with Maddie? When Maddie was born, how did, how how was that? You know, it was such a blur, but um yeah, I was probably more I mean, I'm I'm relatively stressed <laughs> at the moment. Um you're getting all choked up about it. Thinking about it. But um but Luke, Luke was here I'm getting emotional over here. two years ago, right before Maddie. So you remember how stressed I was because of the uncertainty yeah. of it. Yeah. This is, there's, there's a, a level of certainty, but also now the, you know, the, the wild card with, with Maddie and how is she going to adapt? How are we going to adapt to two mm-hmm. kids? Uh, you know, Maddie and I are going to be spending a lot more time together. Whereas the first time around, you know, Jody did a lot of the heavy lifting, especially early on. And so I was home for support, but I also had some like free time a little bit too. It was nice with with now this time around, I'm already thinking of what are Maddie and I going to be doing? We're going to go into the pool. We're going to go get my car clean. We're going to go get a haircut finally, but Maddie's going to come with me. So what does that look like? (laughs) So, so those are some of the things that, that, that I'm preparing for. I'm excited for you to go to the pool because every time you go to the pool, you come back with an insane story of some, very unique character that you have a conversation with so hey go to the pool every week because you come back with amazing stories you bring up a good point or an interesting point what's maddie's awareness i've been curious about that her awareness of another human joining the family so she she does understand that her sister is in mommy's belly and she understands that that she's going to come out she she even said come out come out the other day and (laughs) and so she's ready to hold her like she, that's what okay. she says. Hold her, hold her. So th- there is a, a level of okay. anticipation from from her. Now, uh, Maddie sleeps with like two different little babies in in the uh, crib with her. Mm-hmm. So she's, she takes care of those little babies. So you know, it, right. it is funny how it just kind of it yeah. happens. You can't um, explain. As far it. As, yeah, you can't. Some some level of of preparation. So yeah. Hmm. Well, exciting. This is very yeah. exciting time. It, it really is. It's weird. It's yeah. Like yesterday, I just, I, I just feel weird because you just don't know at any moment. Yeah. And it's like always you, looking over your shoulder or something. It's like, yeah, it's, it's really it, yeah. so I'm thankful to be here today uh, because we, we do have a lot to, to talk about. And we'll, I do want to get into a bunch of pro football hall of fame responses and comments and, and all that sort of thing. So that'll be fun. But let's start with, I'm convinced. And, you know, I want to start with the, the news, you know, it's, it's sad news, but it's also celebratory news mm-hmm. with, with the death of Bobby Bowden. And, and so at 91 years old, what a wonderful life, a long life, a, a long legacy. And, and so I'm convinced of this. So I'm convinced of a couple things. One, 
He's one of my favorite guests I've ever had on Unpacking It. He came on early in, in when we started Unpacking It, and, and he felt like – it felt like I was talking to my grandpa when, when he was on the show. Just – he was down to earth. He was wise. He was relatable. He was funny, enjoyable to talk to. And so I am a fan. I've got his signed helmet. Oh, right here. Yeah, that's a, that's a Bobby Bowden signed helmet. All right. Here in the studio. Um, and so, but, I, but I'm convinced of this. There was, there was an article on ESPN.com just about why Bobby Bowden's historic run at Florida State will never be duplicated. And I'm convinced it's absolutely true. And here's the number that is so kind of mind-blowing. 14 straight seasons, Florida State finished top five. That's unbelievable. So, so here you go. The longest streaks of a top five finish by an FBS coach. Bobby Bowden at 14 from 1987 to 2000. After that, with seven, so cut in half, is wow. Bud Wilkinson, Oklahoma, and Pete Carroll at USC. Dabo's at six, so he's he's going toward that. Yeah. Um, and then you look down here at four, Nick Saban. Nick Saban's at four, so he hasn't had that type of run where your team finishes as top five. I mean, just wow. think about that. You're a top five program. For 14 straight seasons, it's remarkable. Not to mention, yeah. you know, the, the number of wins and, and where he is all time of that. Um, and, and the championships, he won championships, Heisman Trophy winners. He is a legend. And because of the way college football is changing, I, I'm convinced there won't be many coaches that even get into that, that realm mm-hmm. of, of what Bobby Bowden meant to a program, meant to a sport. And then, of course, his legacy of faith and, yeah. and the, the, being a type of mentor he was and the number of coaches that came out uh, up under his leadership, uh, the Mark Ricks of the world, and his sons that, that had you know, solid coaching careers as well. Uh, it's, just, it's just remarkable. So I just wanted to honor Coach Bobby Bowden. I'm not a Florida State fan, never, never was necessarily. But once I interviewed him, I became a fan of, of him and love what he represents. And um, so – Shout out to to Coach Bobby Bowden today. It's it's crazy. Like there's there's almost two sides of him that are worth celebrating in their own regard. Like his his football coaching just on the gridiron. What you just said is is like laughable how good it is. Imagine being a fan during that time. Oh. Fifteen straight years of the my favorite team. I'm not saying my favorite yeah. team. If I was a Seminole fan of my favorite team, finishing top five every year. And you get two championships. Yep. Like it's not like, oh, every year we're so close. I mean, they won two rings. Yep. There's, I mean, very rarely will a coach in college football wear, win two championships. Right. So I mean, that's incredible. And then yes, the man of faith he was. I read his book, The Wisdom of Faith. Oh, awesome, cool, awesome book. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure you have it. Yeah, um, yeah I do. But you a, may have yeah, you may have actually doctor. recommended it to me the summer I was in Charlotte. But just being able to read how he his perspective on his role as a coach was so much more than football. And he really cared about the character and the development of men. And, and, and there's an article I read this morning about him of, he's like, it, it brought him so much joy how many of his former players went on to become ministers mm. and how many players would call him 20, 30 years after he coached them. And just that legacy and that relationship and players saying, I, he cared for us personally and I was confident in that. That is worth being celebrated. To be at that high of a pedestal, to be able to do more than just X's and O's. Because if, if you're a D1 coach, 
and all you can do is X's and O's, I can sympathize with that because that is, I mean, there is so much pressure, so much you have to do to be able to be a family man, to be able to be a sure. great coach, to be able to go out of your way to care about players. I mean, that it, that takes more energy than most people have. Yeah, and I think, yeah, just the longevity that he had. And in some oh, ways, yeah. oh, was he pushed out a tad early because Jimbo Fisher was ready to go, uh, who, of course, now is your boy at Texas A&M. That's right. Um, but, but, but I think in today's college football world, too, I think it'll be tough for coaches to last that long into their 70s, 80s, just because – it's always this this win now very like we're ready to move on to the next thing so often you know the coach k's of the world like i i just don't i I don't see that being the same trend now even even when you mention a few of those names the you know joe paterno and bobby bowden and coach k and jim Beheim and uh, dean smith you know legends at their their universities um yeah i just i would be surprised if we have that that would be the trend moving forward. I would say guys will retire earlier. They'll be pushed out earlier. They'll be grooming their next guy. Uh, yeah. That's just, it seems like that's, that's more of the case. Not to mention guys just moving to schools and do they stay at schools and actually build programs? We don't always see that uh, like we used to either. Uh, I was even watching a game yesterday, Florida state versus Virginia tech. Think about Frank Beamer who was at Virginia tech for so long. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, that, those are just, uh, well, and there's more money that, there's got to be more money that universities can throw at coaches to, to take them away. I mean, think of what A and M gave Jimbo ten years, seventy five million, all guaranteed. <sighs> oh I mean, goodness. I don't care how long you're at a university. I don't know if many people are saying no to that. So there's that perspective as well. Yes, yeah. Well, the money and then the money. The whole thing with college football is changing. And quick yeah. plug: I interviewed Matt Schick last week. He was awesome. We talked college football with awesome him. Awesome interview. From ESPN, so I highly encourage you to check that interview out. That was a really good one. But you know, we just talked about this future of college football and what's next, and it's just it's so up in the air right now. It really is. That big changes are happening all around us, um, and so that's why you, you look back at kind of the glory days of of college football when Bobby Bowden was leading yeah. the way down at down at Florida State. So yeah. uh, he was twenty one and nine and one in bowl games. There was a tie in a bowl game. That's how, that's like the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> We talked about ties. You got to bring up your, your, your tie take. My tie week. take. Oh my goodness. You don't wear them. You don't like them. Nope. I don't want anything to do with ties. In a bowl game, you just keep playing. What are you talking about? And then 315 and 98. That was his record at Florida State. Hmm. Impressive. All right, Luke, what, what are you convinced of today? Before I get into that, you're you talking about ties. I was, I was researching why do some sports have ties? I don't know if this is the real reason, but one guy wrote this article on. Well, the reason sports will have ties is if a team isn't able to win at the end of regulation time, then no team deserved to win that day. No team was good enough to win that day, so we call it a tie. So that, that take it take it how you want it, but I, I I'm certain that you would push back against that as much I, as possible. It's like, yeah, I I go back to my principle of what happens in the backyard. You just keep playing until someone wins. Yeah, you got to win by two. You got to win by two, and you keep playing until you win by two. That's right. Whatever you set out, to, you know, at, at the start of it, somebody's got to win today. All right, yep. we keep playing. We keep yep. playing until somebody wins. So, speaking of winning and winning culture, we may get into this later. I we have of different topic ideas to potentially talk about. I saw this on our uh, our pre show sheet. Mm. I'm convinced, and I maybe have said this before, especially more so in football. 
a player's ability to have success largely dependent on who drafts them. Now, basketball, way different because you can have way more of an individual impact when there's five players on the court. Baseball, it doesn't matter what team you're on. You can pretty much do the same thing from the plate-wise or if you're a pitcher. Um, but in football, especially as a quarterback or a rec- any position outside of like linemen, of the skill positions, if you get drafted by a bad franchise with a bad coach with not much talent around you, your career, the success is going to get cut in half. And I think of two guys, or I think of one guy in particular. I think of Sam Bradford. Mm. Sam Bradford. Very talented coming out. Very Oklahoma. talented. Great arm. Was in a great place at Oklahoma. Extreme upside. Drafted number one overall by the Rams. Jeff Fisher was the coach who not doesn't have the best track record of developing quarterbacks and offensive talents. Defensive guy. And... It's not, the Rams weren't very good. It's not like Sam Bradford had four seconds to drop back and was just missing throws. I think of guys like Sam Bradford, if they were drafted by a good team or a middle-of-the-road team that was able to develop them or put them in a good situation, all I can think of is, man, what if that happened? Like Their careers would look totally different. And I don't want to say it's unfair because we don't want to get into what's fair and what's not fair in sports. But some guys get a way better luck of the draw than than other guys. And I mean, I, like for example, Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes probably isn't going to be drafted ahead of Sam Bradford in most drafts, but is able to go to Kansas City. Is able to sit behind Alex Smith. Is With a able great coach. To, great coach. Tons of weapons. Now, Mahomes, incredible, incredible quarterback, but also great system. Is Mahomes going to do that with Bradford's Rams team? No chance. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great take. It's absolutely true. I, I heard it kind of bubbling up. I was listening to a couple of different things uh, in the last few days, and it's just such a reminder that, yeah, you've got to end up in a great situation, and you listen to the Hall of Fame stories, and we'll, we'll talk more about the, the, the induction ceremony and the Shrine ceremony, but these guys, they, they thank their franchises, and there are common threads. Why does Pittsburgh and Dallas continue to get guys into the Hall of Fame? They're, they're great franchises. Um, it's just that, that's, that's the reality of it. And, yeah. you know, Henry mentions Ryan Tannehill. He was a bust in Miami, goes to Tennessee. And, you know, I think with Mike Vrabel taking over, he brought that, that New England Patriots DNA there, is building a great, you know, system and, and all that's there. Yeah. And so Tannehill has been able to shine. Now, that's why Sam Darnold, I think he's got a great chance to go from the Jets to the Panthers the Panthers have proven to be a very solid franchise. Been yeah. to a couple Super Bowls. We've lost both of them, unfortunately. But, you know, so Darnold has a chance. Matthew Stafford in L.A., I'm all in. I'm telling you, I'm all in on yeah. the Rams. They're, they're Super Bowl contenders. Stafford is legit. He was stuck in Detroit. So, so we'll talk about Calvin Johnson a little bit, too, because that's the difference. Franchises are, are the difference. And I would also, I'm on the side. Now, people will hate to, hate to hear this, but there should be no drafts. There should be like if we really were running it the way that it should be, like it would if you remove the NFL draft, then franchises would have to step their game up. And in order to to woo people to come be at their 
their city, in their city at their, for their franchise. Interesting. Because you're given Jacksonville, you're given Detroit the top picks all the time. Cleveland, you know, year after year, you get all the top picks, and then they go there, and then these players fizzle out. And it's it's consistent over and over and over. So, mm. you know, sure, a, a team that has a down year, you know, um, good franchises like, you know, the New York Giants are still a good franchise, Henry's yeah. team. Yeah. You know, then they get Saquon Barkley. So they're able to bounce back. Daniel Jones, we'll see. But yeah. they at least get that opportunity. But the teams that are in there every year, <laughs> I mean, these are horribly run franchises. They We, we give them a, a cop out because they get the, the picks. But then even then, they don't maximize it. Yeah, think think of think ways. of all the all those a few years ago, like the these popular selling Cleveland Browns jerseys, where it was one quarterback name and then like twenty five other quarterback names on the back of the jersey. <laughs> those these were poor quarterbacks. This they were making those. This poor poor Brandon Whedon. When Brandon Whedon got drafted by the Browns, did anyone he think? But he wasn't that good. But 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 did he think that he had any chance? See, he wasn't that good, so Brady he had Quinn. no chance. Of Brady Quinn. Because Brady, Brady Quinn, Quinn was pretty good in, in college at Notre Dame. Oh yeah, put yeah, Brady yeah. Quinn somewhere else to start his career. I, he might have. He might have been all right. I'm saying there's no they. A lot of those quarterbacks. Again, to your point, none of them were probably like all timers, all time talents. But especially so, if they're not all time talents, they have even less chance of success. No chance. Yeah. Only rel- relatively recent have we begin to see. Okay, the Browns are starting to figure things out franchise wise. They're headed in a good direction, but man, for what? I don't even know how many years it was. It was we, someone would get drafted, and we'd see they have no chance. That the Alabama running back, oh, Trent Richardson, yeah, like the dude was really good. I know, and I don't well, know the other, all the details off the field or anything, but I mean, it's my not goodness, Alabama running backs in general, like they're all pretty good. Like in the last, yeah, think of Mark Ingram's career. ten years. Mark Ingram has been playing for a long time. I'm big on Damian Harris this year in New England. He's, he's good, very good, very talented. Love player. Damian here. He destroyed my poor Aggies. Oh. Yeah, he's he's talented. So, but but to your point, Trent Richardson, yeah, in Cleveland. So, um, there is a difference with the franchises. There's there's no doubt about it. But let's uh, speaking of great franchises, let's jump into unpack this, and I want to talk about Pittsburgh Steeler Donnie Shell, and and so. This weekend, Pro Football Hall of Fame, we saw 20 go in on on Saturday, or I guess some of those were already enshrined because some of those players that got in actually after they died. But we saw a ton of of speeches on Saturday night and then Sunday night. But the guy for us here at Unpacking It is Donnie Shell. He he lives nearby. He's been a part of Unpacking It podcast, Turkey Bowl. He's come to multiple events. He's a wonderful man. He's a devotional reader. And so he is one of us here at Unpacking It. And so we got to see him go into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. And so I'm so thrilled for him, a wonderful man of God, so humble, uh, just a, a tremendous guy. But, but here's his story that, that I want to unpack today and I think in many ways can be an encouragement to us regardless of, of kind of what's going on in, in life. Um, so he retired in 1987. He was a member of the Steel Curtain. He won four Super Bowls. He was a you know, first-team All-Pro safety. He was a, a Steelers MVP. He went to five straight Pro Bowls. So a really you know, Hall of Fame career, impressive player, a key foundational piece for those Steelers defenses. But he had to wait to get into the Hall of Fame. It wasn't until 
technically last year. Uh, then, of course, the, the, the delay again. But he had to wait. And, and so in 2002, he became a finalist. And, and I just love this. So when he was a guest on, on the podcast, he, he shared uh, these comments with us. And, and this is what he said. He said, it got frustrating. I just kept holding on to God, holding on to the things I know about the scriptures and who he is. And, and so in 2002, his prayer request was, Lord, I want to be in the Hall of Fame. But then the years went by, and his prayer eventually changed to this. Lord, let your will be done. And this is the most powerful prayer, the most difficult prayer to actually believe and trust and cling to for, for all of us. And, and so this is what Donnie said after he prayed that. He said, all of a sudden, a peace came over me that surpasses understanding. It's unbelievable. I think sometimes the Lord allows us to go through different things to sharpen us and also to make our thoughts his thoughts. He added, God didn't change my desire for making the Hall of Fame. He changed my attitude about how I was asking. He knew my heart. He knew I wanted it. I think the main thing is that I began to walk in step with him instead of me walking out of step. It's okay to ask the Lord for things and he hears us when we ask, but do you have the right attitude? And so what, what a wonderful approach, what a challenge to, to all of us because we all know what it's like to pray for something, to wait for something, to, to desire something and, and it take longer than, than we want. And, and I think that whole process, so much goes on. And, and so Donnie also added this. He says, the Lord has a plethora of ways of making us grow and mature and trust in him. Sometimes he checks our attitude. He says, oh, you, you said you believe, Donnie. Are you going to trust me in this or not? And so that's, the, that's, the, that's what we face again as well. Are we going to trust God or not when we have to wait? And, you know, I'm, I'm in a season of, of waiting right now. We're days away from having a, a baby. So it's a little bit different of a, of a thing. But when, when it comes to Jody and I waited to get pregnant when, when it came to our first baby, we had a miscarriage and then we had to wait longer. And so that was a challenging time. We had this desire to be parents, but we had to wait for it. You know, I had a desire to get married. I had to wait to get married. Uh, you know, a lot of things from a career standpoint. I've, I've waited on and, and continue to wait for certain, certain things to happen and doors to open up and, and all of that. And so I just love this story of Donnie Shell, all those years of waiting to get into the Hall of Fame, still wanting to get in, but trusting God and allowing his attitude to change, his prayer to change. And I think for all of us, we have to evaluate, okay, what is my prayer? Like, am I, am I being demanding with God? Am I being um, entitled with God saying, I want this, I want this. You know, I've got a two-year-old, so I, I know all about that. But we act like that sometimes. Um, and so what does it look like to really pray, Lord, let your will be done? It's, it's, it's complete surrender. It's, Lord, this is, what I, this is where I kind of see things. This is what I desire. This is what I'd love to see happen. But I'm limited in my knowing. I'm limited. I don't see the whole picture. You do. And so... I'm trusting you. I'm yielding to you. And as I wait, I pray, Lord, that you would change me, mold me, shape me, help me to be even more surrendered, help me to trust you more. And if that really becomes our, our prayer, woo, God will move. God will change us from the inside out. And, and so 
Um, you know, we look at, at at Jesus as our as our example as well when he was here on earth, getting ready to die on the cross, and he knew what what needed to happen. Um, and so it, it says in in Matthew twenty six thirty nine, and going a little further, Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will." And then in Luke, it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me, yet not my will, but always yours be done. And, and so are we willing to pray that prayer? And, and so it's, it's hard to wait. Uh, but thankfully, when we do, we can hold on to God. We can trust in his plan and surrender to his will, knowing that his timing is best. His timing is best. And there is purpose in the wait. And, and there is growth and opportunity in the wait. And so what will our attitude be? And will we trust him in the delays? Will we trust him when things don't look like they're heading in the direction that we want them to? Um, and, and so will we wait well uh, and cling to him? So you can unpack that. Congratulations, Donnie Shell. Man, you had to wait, but you're in, and, and we're thrilled for you. Congratulations, Donnie Shell. Also, Similar type of thing for Cowboys great Drew Pearson having right. to wait a long time. Great. So yep. really, it was really special watching his video as well when Roger Staubach and Jerry Jones surprised Drew Pearson after Drew felt he had been snubbed for a couple of years and Drew is it's sobbing. As a side note, if you just need a good cry, then you need to just look up Hall of Fame induction announcements or when the president of the hall of fame goes and surprises they it's on the youtube it's called like the knock you go and the hall nfl hall pro football hall of fame president knocks on the door they the player answers the door and it's just immediate tears because they recognize him and they know what he's about to say so really special moment so i love what bryce is talking about in regards to prayer and it reminds me of at the previous Man Up conference. So at Man Up Charlotte, Brian Goins, uh, one of Bryce's friends, uh, former pastor, awesome speaker. He gets up there and he's talking about he's talking about praying when he had a, a severe, strong bout with a, a, uh, anxiousness, a season of anxiety, and he his prayer he was praying God take this away. God, would you take it away? And he said as he was praying that, God changed his prayer to, God, would you lead me through it? Mm. Would you give me the strength to get through it? Mm. Not that it was bad. Not that God doesn't take away things like anxiety or not that God doesn't heal on the spot. Mm. But sometimes that is not the that is not God's will. Sometimes it's more God, lead me through it. But the thing, Brian, what was really encouraging to hear is the fact that he was in prayer with God. He was in God's Word. He was fellowshipping with God. God was changing his heart, even to then Brian began praying, of course, God, would you take this anxiety away? But if not, would you lead me through it? And as he kept praying, he, that was his, that's what he was asking God to do. So, Bryce, you're bringing this up of Don, Donnie saying, God, I want to be in the Hall of Fame. And but then having to wait, it just reminded me of what Brian said is when we're praying and we're fellowshipping with God, we're in his word, 
He's transforming us. He's changing our heart. And sometimes our prayers change. Sometimes it's, God, would you lead me through it, not take it away? God, and you you get this, as we fellowship with God and as we pray, we get, we start praying according to His will. That's right. And our heart starts aligning more with His. Because when we pray, and when, when Scripture is like, ask God, anything will be given to you. All these things. God calls us, ask, and it will be given. But the context of that is, the more we pray, the more we're asking for things according to His will. That's right. The more we're asking for godly things instead of out of pride or selfishness or insecurity. So, I just I, when Brian was preaching that, I was like, "Man, this is hitting home. This is so encouraging." So, I just love talking about prayer because, man, I don't even come close to praying as much as I know my heart needs it and my soul needs it. So, today is a great reminder to me as an encouragement to okay. I need to continue to preach to myself. Prayer is worth it. It's worth spending that time in prayer because it really does change you. Amen. Amen. So as as we we wait, we pray. As we wait, we pray. That's the that's the message for sure. Um, and yeah, our heart our heart changes along the way, which is powerful stuff. So Donnie, great uh, speech on Saturday night as, as well. And and so I'm curious for from your standpoint, Luke, who were some of the other highlights from the weekend? Because for me. I was anticipating Peyton Manning, and I have mm-hmm. to say say this off the off the top. To cut Peyton Manning's speech short is an absolute outrage. outrage. Now, I, I understand that we had, you know, I, I don't know the final number, because I, I can't remember how many people Saturday night, maybe 15 guys Saturday night, and then we had eight Sunday nights. So that's a lot of speeches for, you know, a, a weekend. But Peyton Manning is an all-time legend. And, and just a, he's an entertainer, and so we we were cut short of getting the full Peyton Manning enshrinement speech. I think it would have been even more epic, even more memorable than it was. And you know, it was it was solid. I thought the you know coming up with plays with the busts and, and that was really cool. And then you know the whole dynamic with his dad was great. And then the the shot of Eli getting a little teary eyed. Yeah, that I was love, cool. Love that. Um, and so, you know, the joke with Tom Brady, the fact that Tom Brady was there, the fact that Tom Brady looks 25 is just remarkable. <laughs> I mean, every time I see him, it's like, are you kidding me? He's yeah. getting younger and younger every time I see him. Every time. Yeah. Um, I, it doesn't even make sense. It's just the most bizarre thing. Uh, but then, yeah, the jokes with that. But but I just was like, I think back to Brett Favre. Brett Favre had like a four-hour speech, and it was great. You know, it was fun, and, yeah. and he was just off the cuff. And then this year we're going to cut off – Peyton Manning. Peyton I just, Manning, I, I, I'm just, I'm just devastated by it. However, and, yeah. it was great. And the most unfortunate thing about that is not just out of, it's not just the principle of, oh, we can't cut off Peyton Manning. It's, it changes up his speech completely. He now, rushed it. He so rushed. Funny. Oh my gosh, he got through. He got through. He had some great opening jokes, and yeah, talking about the play, and then. This used to be a dream, and now it's the reality. Awesome stuff. The jokes, Tom Brady, Ray Lewis just finished his speech yeah. in 2018. Like, hilarious. But then it went into, like, precision, scripted, I'm powering through this, no <laughs> breath. I'm like, he's saying good things, but we want to let it breathe. <clears throat> yeah, we want to hear story time, Peyton. Yes. And the fact that it, he didn't have a longer period of time, like, think of – how amazing the jokes were at the beginning. Think of the stories Peyton could tell. Oh, and we we didn't even get 
to have any of that. We were able to get a couple jokes and then scripted fast forward. And there was still good things. I don't want to knock Peyton. He did the best he could with the time he had. But he, we didn't get half of what we could get out of a Peyton Manning Hall of Fame speech. Just make him the last one. And he goes as long as he wants. And then people, oh, well, what, why does he get? Well, life's not fair. So Peyton's more entertaining and better exactly. than all of you. So he exactly. should go last. And, and should, so, uh, yeah, I'm a Peyton Manning fan. He, I grew up, a huge fan is. So this was a big moment. He appreciates the Hall of Fame. He appreciates the oh, history. Yeah. And I was listening to, uh, I guess it was ESPN right after, and Chris Mortensen brought up, he alluded to Peyton Manning being the commissioner. And, and so, like, that, that was part of his speech. And I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it because he hasn't been, he could be a president, GM, he could do all that. He probably could own a team if he wanted, but maybe he's got his set, his eyes set on, uh, his sights set on, sights set on being the commissioner. So, my response to that is applying fear of failure towards to Peyton Manning. The same reason I would never want Dirk to be a head coach in the NBA <laughs> is the same reason I would never want Peyton Manning to be the commissioner. Because I don't want a great career to be overshadowed by negativity. I don't want what has happened to Jason Kidd to happen to Dirk. Like, Dirk right now is the hero of Dallas, one of the greats. Can we just not ruin that? I get what you're saying, though. Sometimes it's worth it if Peyton actually pursues the commissioner role. I mean, one, that would just be absurd. Imagine the day Goodell gone, Peyton Manning replaces him. Yeah, I can't even. I mean, people would parade the streets. It, it would be wild. It, it would be wild. I I think it's it's very reasonable. It but really he is. did. He did talk about loving the game of football, growing the game of football. I feel like way more than than ninety percent of Hall of Fame speeches I've ever heard. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like where's he going with this. Yeah, like yeah, well, I, I love the NFL. It's great. I love football. I'll keep it going. But it was kind of funny. Yeah, um, I think part of that was just scripted, getting through it. Because I was, I was hoping for, I was hoping he'd give, he'd dig down, maybe get a little specific. I get it wasn't surface level, but there was a little bit of, there was some seasoning of cliche in there. Yeah, which was unfortunate. Yeah. The ending was, I, I was, I didn't love as much as the beginning. Um, yeah. So, but no, he was great. You know who I thought was was very uh, refreshing, Calvin Johnson, very authentic. Uh, I, I enjoyed that one. Um, I thought Edgerin James from Gold Teeth to Gold Jacket. What a tremendous <laughs> line! He was he was cool. I, I enjoyed him. I was hesitant, thinking that he's a Hall of Famer, but hmm. he's in, and he gave a good speech. Um, I thought Charles Woodson was a tad annoying. Hmm. Now I love the the mom, uh, you know, giving giving all the love to his mom, and I'm a mama's boy, so it was great. So that was cool. Um, he sang to his mom, but it was painfully awkward. And, and I just didn't, he, like he was telling everybody to stand up and then no, keep standing up. And it's like some of these old pro football hall of famers are like, they're barely walking. <laughs> Let them sit down. Like, no, no, no. Everybody up, everybody up. All right, Charles, we're, we're all ready to go home at this point. <laughs> enough is enough. So he, he kind of, it was just like a touch annoying to me. Um, and then, so Alan Fanica, <laughs> offensive lineman for the Steelers. It's always crazy. These offensive linemen lose so much weight. So it's, it's remarkable. It's that is all. And that's a whole nother podcast in itself. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's just, it's just insane. Um, but I loved his voice. 
That's mm. a weird thing, but I'm a radio guy. I love the, the oh, yeah. sound of voices, and I listen to them. Alan Fanica has a tremendous voice, and so I enjoyed his speech because of that. I don't know what he said, but I just love the way he said it, the way it sounded. So good for Alan Fanica. That was awesome. Um, and then uh, Bill Cower was solid, and then we got to hear your thoughts on your boy Jimmy Johnson. Even though Were you even alive when Jimmy Johnson was winning championships? <laughs> You were, no, I was. I'm an. I was born in '97, so that was. You missed the Jimmy Johnson. So you're not even a Jimmy Johnson guy. Well, th- that that's what's hard is is my demographic, uh, age demographic of Cowboys fans, is we we are truly living in the past. <laughs> I, I, it's it's tough when people it's, say you guys are living in the visible. past. They are. It is. Yeah. It is with without a doubt. Yes. But hey. Living in the past is part of being a sports fan. When you win a championship, you celebrate like it's your first and it's your last. And because it <laughs> and it very well could be, as it looks like for the Cowboys. But J- Jimmy Johnson, he he is a character. Because I, I loved when he got his – when um, I'm, for, I'm drawing a blank on the name of uh, uh, something Baker, the pro, pro football yeah, Hall of Baker. David Baker, when he surprised Jimmy Johnson on set on TV and said, "You are, you're going to be a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame," and then they panned to Troy Aikman broadcasting a game, who's watching and he's cool. crying. Oh, that! Oh, I love that. So, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts first from from a non Cowboys, non Cowboys fan perspective. Well, I think he's a great personality for the game, and it's cool that he's continued to to broadcast and all that, and. You know, I, th- I think what they they accomplished during the 90s, I mean, they were huge. I mean, I remember growing up, there were so many diehard, like kids my age that were Cowboys fans. And yes. when you have a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, the way that they did, yeah. uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson was a was a great coach. He, he, didn't, he wasn't able to replicate that in Miami. Um, but, he yeah, yeah, it's fine. Hall of Fame career. I think coaching, like, I don't know what the standard is for a Hall of Fame coaching career. Because, like, even Bill Cower, to me, like, it was cut short a little bit. Uh, so I was a little hesitant to think. And so then I started thinking, all right, who who are today's Hall of Fame coaches? So, I yeah, Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach because he's done as much as Cower, if not more. And he's still so yeah. young. So that's yeah. only going to yeah. continue. Um, Talking about a guy who never ages. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's like a day Brady. older. <laughs> Got to get that lotion or that. Whatever they're doing. Whatever their secret ingredient is. It's unbelievable. Gosh. Um, but, yeah, Jimmy, uh, no, I thought, yeah, I, I've i been surprised that he continues to do the broadcasting because I think he's like 78 years old. So he's he's still going strong. I got to give it to him. Even yeah. though he'll, he'll, he'll bow out in the afternoon games. He's got to take his <laughs> afternoon nap. So, like, but now Tony Gonzalez is gone. So I don't know who's coming in on the Fox post-game show because uh, it, it used to be, all right, good night, Jimmy. We'll see ya. Well, if if Jimmy's gone, it's going to be another cowboy because the road to broadcasting is be a franchise great for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Now, Jason Witten certainly threw a wrench in that trend. I think that that might be over. So the trend might be over. Run is over. But hey, we're all about second chances here. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, uh, but anyway, I I really I what I love about the Hall of Fame speeches is you get to. You, know, you get to hear the stories of these guys and you get to hear their their heart a little bit and kind of really what they value, what they're all about. Of course, I'm listening, you know, to hear about their faith and you know how genuine is it, how serious are they about their faith. And so some of their 
you know, comments about that are, are, are eye-opening and interesting and what verses uh, will they share. And so Donnie Shell shared some verses, which, which was cool. Um, and then some guys are like, oh, I want to hear more about, whoa, whoa, what does that mean? I want to hear more about that. Yeah. I, I also, you know, the honoring their parents is huge. And then, you know, you hear some of the guys, hey, I've been married 30 years, 50 years, whatever. That's always encouraging. And then they, you know, yeah. they talk about their wives. And then I think about my own wife. It's like, man, yeah, it's just so, it's so important to have that type of support. And, um, and then I'll, I'll say this too. These guys are given their Hall of Fame speech. We put them on a pedestal. But the reality is, no matter whatever we do in life, whatever God has called us to do, we should take that kind of moment to reflect on the journey. Like the hmm. process that these guys go through to write a Hall of Fame speech, it's processing who helped them get there, the support that was needed, the you know the level of hard work that was a part of it. Some of them do acknowledge that that God is the the source of it all, and uh, one of them said, "Every good gift comes from above," which was I thought a good point. He's like, "The Hall of Fame is a good thing." Maybe Calvin Johnson, I think, said that. Hmm. Um, I thought that was cool, but but I think for us, it's like, yeah, man, I these people played key roles in high school, college. You know, from a, a sports standpoint, it's kind of easy. All oh, my coaches, but but for you and I, just regular guys, it's we've had people that have been key. I'm sitting here because of so many people along the way. I know. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. So it's just, I wonder if it would be a good spiritual exercise to write like our, it's going to sound so cliche or maybe cringe, but cringe worthy. But if we sat down and wrote our own hall of fame speech, if you will, as just a a practice of gratitude, because the thing I take away from these hall of fame speeches is no matter how cocky they were, no matter how big time they were, no matter how they were appreciated, what their career was, the overwhelming sense of gratitude across the different Hall of Fame spectrum, uh, NBA, all their speeches, NFL, most Hall of Fame speeches I've had, there's tears, there's an overwhelming sense of gratitude for the game, what it gave them, for their parents. And then I'm reminded how human these guys are. You forget that. Your favorite athletes, you forget that they're normal people that are just – that whose careers are just televised all the time. Like I forget that these guys have families. I don't know why. Like Peyton Manning's <laughs> thanking his wife and his two kids. I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course he has kids. But you, oh, just, you don't even think about it because they're so in the background like media-wise. It's just their careers are constantly projected to us to watch. But then you forget that Peyton Manning coaches his son's flag football team. You forget these guys have kids and families and parents to thank. And like, wow, these guys really are human. And they have the, they have the same spectrum of emotions that oh, we do. Absolutely. No question. And yeah, Troy Palomalu uh, had a good speech as well. And he was talking about how the first year, you know, some it was getting a lot of criticism in the in the media. And so he told himself, he's like, I'm not going to listen anymore to the to the media or read the the media and and then one of the owners came up to him and said hey so troy stopped looking mm-hmm. one of the owners comes up and says hey troy uh toward the end of the year don't worry about what they're saying saying in the media and troy's thinking wait they're still talking bad about me <laughs> and, and so because he stopped listening so he didn't know and so then he was uh, made aware that they still were but but how foolish we are as fans and, and people in the media where we criticize these athletes and then they become Hall of Famers. And, yeah. and like, like we know and we can make the judgment year yeah. one. And it's like, uh, no, Troy Polamalu is a great talent. He'll figure it out. 
Now, sure, there are guys that end up not working out. And like we talked about earlier, a lot of times it depends on who the coach is, what the franchise is all about, and uh, you know the fit uh, in, in many ways. Which is, uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier, Calvin Johnson, I, was, I watched an interview of him talking about why he retired. And he talked about his body was hurting. He yeah. was tired of losing. And he was thinking, he literally said, we should have won. We had Ndam Kinsu. We had Matthew Stafford. And he said, but a winning franchise is more than just players. It's mm. culture, mm. which is, you brought up earlier. And Calvin Johnson said that verbatim. Even if you have really good players, to develop a winning culture and a good fra- a winning franchise, that's a whole nother skill set to be able to do that. And to be able to, to craft that as a coach, as a front office guy, as a GM, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. And, and a player or a coach can change things temporarily. Because um, think about it, the New York Jets, they had a little run with Rex Ryan. You know, AFC they, Championship. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so he was able to do that. Then, you know, they moved on. And, like, the Bucks, the Bucks to me, like, when they had Dungy and Gruden, okay, like, they were fine, but I'm not sure that that franchise necessarily is, like, an elite franchise. I just heard this morning on the radio. Their, their value is up $700 million since Tom Brady has been there. That's the kind of impact. Oh, yes. $700 million. So anyway, now I'm going off, off, the, off the rails here. But Tom That's Brady. unbelievable. Like, think about their, he, how underpaid he is. He should be oh, making $200, $300 million a year. Like that's the value. That's what he's worth. Oh, my God. Well, now, yeah. Guess, maybe not a year. But yeah, I mean, that, over the course of a, of a contract, that's yeah, what he's what, Two he's years, $50 million is Nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. Nothing to, to grow the franchise value, seven hundred mil. Oh my! But goodness. I think. But I guess my point is, once Tom Brady leaves, it's just exactly, like, exactly. Is it just going to be? Yeah, they're worthless now without LeBron. Who wants to buy the the Cavs? Yeah, and that's and that's what's hard is, and we'll talk, we talk about small markets all day long. Like eventually, the equilibrium goes back to the big markets, the the big franchises who have. Based on either, yeah, who are consistent, partly is due to geography and just the surrounding pe- and media or, and fans, and also is just goes back to historically who's been really good. It's always going to be the Bostons, the LAs, the Miamis, the New Yorks. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, to a certain extent, but like I look at Pittsburgh, like they're the model franchise. That's a good point. And and the fact that they had three coaches is just that's that says it. There's stability. They, the pit- they Exactly. The, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers continues. The Pittsburgh Steelers have always been when you think of the great franchises, Pittsburgh Steelers. Like yeah. and, and Green yeah. Bay. And Green Bay. They're a small market. That, that's a good they're point. A small market. They're not okay. even a market. They're you've the, you've walked me you've walked me back from my take here. I, yeah, sorry. I, 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 I have I, to take I, off I, my NBA hat and put on my NFL hat for these franchises. Yeah, the NFL, a little bit a little bit different on that one. Um so Anyway, fascinating to, uh, to to listen to all the stories, and I just I just love the NFL. Like I just love the camaraderie. I love watching the guys in their gold jackets. Here's my thing. So I'm wearing my fantasy football fellowship shirt today. Uh, encourage everybody to to be a part of fantasy football fellowship. Join one of our leagues. You can go to unpackingit.com/fantasy. Uh, but I, my goal in my my fantasy league that I've been playing for 18 years, whenever I win five championship so i'm at two i got two rings here in the studio whenever i get to five i'm getting a gold jacket i'm getting a fantasy football hall of fame fantasy football gold jacket that's what i'm doing self-funded 
probably well, no, it'll be out of the league dues. Okay. The league will pay for my my uh, my what do we call it jacket. So I just have to be the first to five. That's the key. That's the yeah. key. But whoever is to me, five is the number. But so I love the whole. I love all aspects of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The knock, the the bust. The knock's amazing. The knock's cool. Now the the, knock the, cool. the busts are interesting because there have been some egregious ones. It's like yeah. that's a hard thing to get done. So yeah. I, I, it would be it would be fascinating to set them all in a row and to just walk and go th- and see how many you can get correct on who, what player is this. Yeah, I know that's a good point. Because even the Peyton Manning one, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's Peyton Manning. There was a, a picture that was going around on social media with his forehead increased even more on the bust. <laughs> On the bus, they gave him like a decent <laughs> forehead, but then they extended they gave, it. They, they, extended gave, they it. gave him a five head. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> he, I, I think I don't know what Archie said to him, but I think he pointed to Peyton's head, uh, his forehead, and said, "Oh, they did all right on the forehead." I don't oh, know that. I don't know so what he said to him, but it seemed like that was what the conversation was when they revealed the bust. Um, so wow. pretty cool. So before we jump into tap drill, we'll bring Henry on. I did at least want to mention this last week of, of NBA free agency as it continues. Uh, you know, we're here once a week doing, doing the live show. Um, but the Lakers, to me, are still the most intriguing. They're now the oldest team. And so we talked last week about the Russell Westbrook trade, which I, I've convinced myself can work. I'm also convincing myself that the pieces they've added will actually result in a championship. Because here's the thing. When you get great players, if if they are willing to accept a role and they know, like, self-awareness, they know where they're at with their game, yeah. it works. The problem when you do the super teams or you get a bunch of personalities or guys that still are kind of hanging on to the dream it doesn't work. And so like Gary Payton, Carl Malone at the end of their career, I don't think they fully realized that they weren't the same player anymore. And mm-hmm. so it just didn't. And plus it was kind of the end of the Shaq Kobe era, but like Dwight Howard, he's known, I think for the, now he burns bridges everywhere he goes. It seems like, but I think he knows who he is. He's a backup center. He'll come in and grab some rebounds, get some technical fouls and, and be that guy. Carmelo Anthony, he knows that he was out of the league. And, and he played pretty well in, in Portland last year. And so I think he'll come in off the bench and he can give you a few shots. He's still, he's still a shooter, scorer type of player. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you add in a guy like Kendrick Nunn, who's underrated, who's still trying to prove himself, young player. He's going to be great. Wayne Ellington, he knows who he is. He's a shooter. He's, he's had a really nice career coming out of UNC. Um, he'll come in, knock down shots. So... I like what they've done, and I'm missing yeah. some other player, some other big name player. But well, they, um, so they got your guy Malik Monk. So there's a guy again trying to prove something. So it's worth a flyer. And, I, and, yes. And my other point is LeBron brings the best out of anybody, and yep. and so Malik Monk could become J.R. Smith. He's got that ability, and LeBron yes. I think can pull that out of him. So I, I'm going to piggyback on what you're saying. LeBron gets the best of everyone, in a because. People play their roles when they play with LeBron. Part of that is because LeBron's greatness, you just become a yes man for him. Yes, sir, LeBron. Uh, Yes, sir, LeBron. I'll do that. Which, hey, by all means, I would do the same thing. LeBron, hey, Luke, stand the corner. I mean, absolutely, I'm staying in the corner, and I'm going to get five open threes a game. But LeBron's so good at doing that. So, And we talked a couple weeks ago after the trade deadline. What do do the Lakers need? They need to get shooters, 
and then just rim-running bigs. They bring back Dwight Howard, who was key in their championship two years ago. Yeah. To just soak up minutes, rebounds, <laughs> some technical fouls. Yeah. But then I love, I'm so excited for Malik Monk because he was one of the most exciting high school players in in years. He was incredibly exciting at Kentucky, the him and De'Aaron Fox combo. And then has been underwhelming in the NBA. But now he gets to go to Los Angeles and he gets to shoot open threes with LeBron and he gets to be athletic in transition. The perfect place for him to kind of resurrect. I don't know if resurrect is the right word because he's still so young, but to achieve more than what he's been doing in Charlotte. So I'm very, I am, the Lakers have done exactly what they need. Yeah, I, I think that, that's funny. This happened two years ago too. Everyone's like, oh, how are they going to fill out their roster? How are they going to get enough guys on their roster? Guys will sacrifice to go play with LeBron. It always oh, happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, last year was kind of a weird year for them. The injuries, they played so late in the bubble. And so, to me, it was I mean, kind of a I throwaway mean, they, year. Yeah, they beat, they, I think they beat the Suns if they're healthy. First yeah. round. Yeah, and first round. Exactly. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see if the, old, the oldest team uh, in the league can, can get it done. Uh, everybody getting their, their last chance at a, at a ring. How, uh, how crazy is that sentence? The oldest team in the league, average age, 32. In every other career in the world, 32, so young. <laughs> it is funny. The things that we think and talk about in sports, it's its, its own entity. It's its, oh, it's a, yeah, it's its own world. It's yeah. so different. It really is. All right, speaking of different, let's do, let's do tap drill. We, uh, we do some different stories, some fun stuff. Things that we missed earlier in the show. Let's welcome on Henry. In where where are you at today, Henry? Well, we're, we're glad you're here. Where where are you at? <laughs> no, I'm in the studios of iHeartRadio here in uh, the New Haven area. So, um, which uh, I'm still 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 striving, still uh, still striving to to get on that field of dreams, as they say. And that's where we're going to start tap drill. Uh, we're going to have a Field of Dreams game. If you guys remember the Field of Dreams movie where they had the big uh, baseball field in the cornfield where uh, where I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Costner starred in that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, the New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox are going to have their own Field of Dreams game, not too far from where the original movie was filmed. So my my question for you guys is, what is your field of dream? I what mean, is the one place where you would where you would think if I were in this place or if I played here, it would be Nirvana, so to speak? Well, I think for me, it'd be playing basketball in Cameron Indoor. So I've been to a game there; it's awesome. Uh, but to 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 play in that gym. That would be sweet. That's that's the one that I would go with. And then as far as baseball goes, I've been to a, a couple games at, at Wrigley Field, or really just one that I remember. Uh, and that place is awesome. So it, from a baseball standpoint, that would absolutely be the one. Yeah, I, for for me, it'd be hands down Allen Fieldhouse playing at Kansas. So I've been to a game, and it was one of the more emotional moments of my life. Like Ooh. getting – because it's – I mean – it's not a big place. It's just seating. I mean, it fits a lot of people, but it's crammed. It doesn't feel big. It's when Bill Self walked out. I mean, it, it was like 
the second coming of Christ, you would think, the people, the way people were cheering for him. And wow. I was like, my eyes were getting extremely moist. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So to be able to play there. Hopefully you probably, snapped out of it and you realized it's just Bill Self. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I snapped out of it. Hey, don't you dare talk uh, about This is just Bill hey, Self. Okay. Hey, 14 straight conference championships. I don't need to get on my high horse here. But Bill Self, legend. But being a, if I played there, I'd probably have the worst game of my life because I would my knees would be shaking and I'd just be crying while dribbling the ball up and down the court. So, well, here's the other question, Luke: Have you seen Field of Dreams? I have not. I've not okay. seen Field of Dreams. But what? I so have seen I have seen Angels in the Outfield though. <laughs> I love Angels in the Outfield. That's McConaughey. McConaughey's in that early on. Tony Danza? Is that Tony Danza? That's Tony, that's Tony Danza. Yeah, that's right. good old Tony. Who's the wow. Still the boss. Let's go. <laughs> well, for me in particular, if I had to pick one place where I would love to play, it would have to be in right in New York City at Madison Square Garden, the world's yeah. most famous arena. Even in an empty garden arena, just to be able to step out on that court, I think I would have the same reaction Luke would get. I'd be like, I don't think I belong here, and there's like nobody there. <laughs> well, Henry, so, are you a Mets or a Yankees fan? I am a Mets fan. Okay. Is, I am a Mets fan. Is that fan. like based on geography? Are people around you Mets fans? Or is it no, just you grew up being a Mets fan? No, I just grew up being a Mets fan, and okay. since, since you brought it up, um, I became a Mets fan. I can tell you the moment I became a Mets fan. It was 1986, the last time the Mets actually won the World Series. Mm. I was in sixth grade, and our school principal, because I went to a Catholic school, was a nun. And she was the biggest Mets fan. As a matter of fact, she would get on the loudspeaker each after each and every game and would give us highlights of the game. Mm. And so what she did was cool. – what she did was it was game six, the um, – it was uh it was game six the um the Wade Boggs game not the um not the Wade Boggs game but the game where uh I forgot what the first baseman's name was off the top of my head but where the fir- where the ball went under the first baseman's Bill uh, Buckner there we go with the Bill Buckner game yeah and so right before that game she says if the Mets win this game and go on to win the World Series the whole school everybody from kindergarten through eighth grade would get a pizza party. Ooh. So everybody in the school watched this game, and we thought we were it. We thought it was over. Then, of course, Bill Buckner happened, and the Mets wind up winning game six, and yeah. the rest is history. And uh, the whole school the next day got Tony Romo's pizza, and it was it just took off from there. So that was the moment I became a Mets fan. Well, you're you're getting you're getting Mets updates over the over the loudspeaker at school. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're getting One Direction during passing periods. Played. I mean, <laughs> what a what a horrendous trade off there. Where's where's our Texas Rangers updates? I mean, oh. listen to what I, I, you know what makes you beautiful on over passing periods. Come on, wow. I also, I also want to clarify something. You said Tony Roma's, which is yeah. a pizza place, not to be no, confused. not not Tony Romo with Tony Romo. Tony Romo. <laughs> But when are we going to get the Tony Romo's pizza, pizza place? That's a genius idea waiting for waiting to happen. Let's well, go. Interesting, interesting enough. So we're going to call an audible on this tap drill here. So speaking of Tony Romo, and we were just talking about the Hall of Fame, I believe his eligibility 
starts next year. Stop it. Stop I believe it. his his eligibility begins next year on the ballot. Well, so I'm boys, well, but I'm not getting in. So, <laughs> well, I, I so mean, boys, <laughs> is Tony Romo a Hall of Famer? No, I don't know if I'm uh, if I'm allowed contractually to speak on this on this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, no. T- I understand like quarterbacks get the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I, to me, there are some question questionable. If Philip rivers gets, if Philip rivers gets in, no. you can talk about Romo. No, Philip rivers, rivers is the, a, is so the AFC. Phil, no rivers, is the AFC Romo. Oh, uh, I don't think, I don't think Romo did it long enough. I don't think he had enough great seasons. outside of, long, I love to, I'm well, a huge Tony Romo fan. I, I think like, when, you, when you go back so here's the thing. When you go, I mean, I definitely have a Homer hat on here, but when you go back and look at his numbers, and you you get you get past the the shroud of all the Romo hot takes, he had some great numbers. Like he, he was a he was a really good quarterback. But but Hall of Fame was he ever a top five quarterback? A top I'm not a, quarterback uh, in the league? I argument. Oh, definitely you can make. He had seasons as a top five quarterback. I'm not saying he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying my standard is if Philip Rivers is in the Hall of Fame, you have to actually talk about if Romo should be in because they, I think, no, like they have, I think, similar careers, just different conference. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead, Bryce. I usually do the off the top of my head is that guy Hall of Famer, and I just. To me, Tony Romo. And I was a, I mean, I always had him on my fantasy team. I like him, but I just, I, that, that would be a surprise to me. Yeah. So Staying with the Dallas Cowboys and uh, Jerry, John, we know that Jimmy Jones, Jerry Jones, excuse me, and well, Jimmy, Johnson, together, Jimmy Jones, <laughs> Jerry Jones and Jimmy Jones had their issues, uh, has had their issues as far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned. And who was going to take credit for the Dallas Cowboys being who they are? Now that Jimmy Johnson has his Hall of Fame jacket, uh, he was Jerry Jones was on TV saying, well, we're going to go ahead and put Jimmy Johnson into the Dallas Ring of Honor. So my boys, my question to you is this. Were it not for the Hall of Fame, does Jimmy Johnson actually get in the Ring of Honor? So. Dallas Sports Radio has been discussing this recently. I mean, the answer is objectively yes, but when is the big question? Like, he certainly deserves to be in, but it's just been weird navigating from a fan's perspective on why isn't he in? When's it going to happen? And Jerry was giving real cryptic, like, comments on, well, I don't want to ruin it. Well... He'll be in, but I don't want to ruin it. I'm like, Jerry, what are you talking about? So, I mean, he would have gotten in. It's just been very weird when you put them two in the same room or in the same sentence. Well, I, I'm my thought is I'm all for restoration, forgiveness, and like to, to live life with like burned bridges and and ill will toward people. To me, is just that's just well, for one, it's not what Jesus calls us to. And, and so it's just not worth it. And so like in sports, when there, there's so much animosity, when they like, when, when you accomplish something like celebrate that, like they won Super Bowls together in, in the co- context of the Cowboys, they should absolutely be on the same page. Jimmy Johnson's a legend in Dallas. Yeah. 
make him a part of part of things. So, not to mention he's on TV all the time. You want you want him talking well, which he does about the Cowboys. And if you're Jerry Jones, what you don't want that kind of tension in the air. So, yeah, yeah, remove it all. Put him in the Ring of Honor. Do whatever you got to do. Give him part ownership. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Time the last heals part will certainly wounds. not happen. <laughs> time heals all wounds, I guess. Right, boys? That's right. Yeah, and speaking of time, we got time for one more tap. Now, I know you guys have seen the myriad of people hosting Jeopardy from Mayim Bialik to LeVar Burton and, of course, one Aaron Rodgers. This week, the our guest, uh, our guest host is the one and only Joe Buck. So how do you think he's going to do as the host of Jeopardy? I, I love that you started off with, like, as you know, like you assuming that we've been watching Jeopardy, <laughs> he assumes watched, correctly. Yeah, I watched you. Have you you've been watching Luke? You're Mister. Oh. Je- oh, that's right. You're Mister Jeopardy guy now. I forgot. Madeline and me you love watching and Jeopardy. You watching Jeopardy. <clears throat> oh my gosh! Well, it's always so funny, challenging. Okay, just slowly setting your goals. All right, can we get three correct this episode? Ooh. Can we combined get five? Can we maybe get ten? We slowly work our way up the ranks. Here's the thing about Joe Buck. If he can turn off broadcaster voice, because I don't want with for 200, or like, I don't want, I don't want to hear any broadcaster voice because Trebek, I mean, for, well, it, first of all, untouchable. No one's yeah. ever going to even come close to him, but his pronunciation ability, no matter what the language, he pronounced it like he was a local and it was just gentle and soft. Joe Buck, you're going to turn his volume down, turn off broadcaster voice if that's possible. That's why I thought Aaron Rodgers was good. Aaron yeah, Rodgers is soft-spoken. Good. He's not a mumbler, but he's quiet. He doesn't have the booming voice, which I thought he did really well as a host. So what I can't wait to see it with Joe Buck, Joe Buck hosting Jeopardy is the Joe Buck smirk. Now, if you watch <laughs> him broadcast games and they go to the 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 – the two shot where it's him and his, you know, color commentator. So when it's mm-hmm. Troy Aikman, uh, you know, during NFL games, as Troy Aikman is talking, look at Joe Buck and Joe Buck is smirking. He looks at the camera and he goes, I know you're there and I know you're looking at me. It's the best. <laughs> it is the best. It's now a Hall of Fame smirk. It's a Hall of Fame smirk. And he's he wants you to notice him. He wants you to see his blonde tips and he wants you to know that he's got this this these hair plugs you better look at that smirk so when he's sitting there on jeopardy they'll go to the contestants and then they'll quickly go over to joe and he'll just give you that smirk the joe buck smirk <laughs> look for it I'm telling you it'll be great be like, right, I, know cool. so I wonder how he i wonder how he talks in normal conversation because because madeline and me always uh, laugh when we're watching the local news like these people doing news segments like how did that even develop? Of well, this weekend in Charlotte, a uh, man was arrested for <laughs> shoplifting. Like, why do we talk like that? Can we just say man was arrested for shoplifting? Like, you can pr- you can enunciate, but what is this voice? I don't understand it. Like, what, do these people talk this? What's for dinner, honey? I'm quite hungry and parched. What are we doing? <laughs> can we just talk normal? So I wonder how he talks at home. Joe Buck has come home now. Joe Buck is home. It's <laughs> like a little little Elvisy you got there. A little Elvis. Oh, there. There. <laughs> All wow. right, I just don't understand. That is yeah. gonna do it for Tap Drill, where Luke Keaton and Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, who Bryce, <laughs> Bryce Johnson, Harper. All right, <laughs> Bryce Johnson have to go into the fantasy football. 
Hall of Fame together. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much, Henry. Henry, great work out of you today. It was a tremendous show from Henry and Luke. We will be back next week pending any breaking news. There you go. There you go. Bryce, it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. When I was in college, I did music radio. And it was coming up next on WASU 98.5. We've got... Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Was that, was that the country station that you... Uh, it was a country station you did that for, right? No, no, no. That was... I was oh, on- you you did... What was it? What was it? 99.9 The Wolf or something. <laughs> You did uh, the, the, the cliche. Or the, oh, that was um, Jeff, Jeff Roper in the morning here. <laughs> no, no, what was it? It was, it was country. It was like, hey, everybody. Hey, it's Jeff Roper here in the morning. Hey, everybody. We got Brass Johnson here on the morning show. Brass, good morning to you. How are you, man? <laughs> That's what it was. That, I made my radio debut as an eighth grader from student council. And it was... Oh. Uh, Hey, everybody, it's Jeff Roper in the morning. That's what it was. There you go. So did you come in like this? Hey, guys, it's Bryce Johnson. Or did you have a did you have a low voice then? No. So my dad, before the show, he goes, hey, make sure you bring your radio voice. And so I went in there and said, hey, good morning, Jeff. And, and, <laughs> and Jeff goes, whoa, somebody brought his radio voice today. <laughs> so there, there it was. That was my debut. Oh, so, Gosh. I've been trying to be like Jeff Roper ever since. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Hey! <laughs> All right, we better get out of here before we uh, – I'm losing it. We're I'm crashing a bird in here. I'm on baby watch. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Henry, appreciate it. Good job out of you. Uh, thanks, Luke. Have a wonderful week. If uh, if little baby uh, Johnson is born this week, we'll, we'll, we'll be off two Mondays. And then we're actually going to come back, and we'll be on uh, Mondays at 2. Uh, starting in a couple of weeks. So we're excited about that as well. Uh, just switching times uh, during the day. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a great week, great rest of your day. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unhacking It podcast live. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.